Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon, and won a 24-hour track race overall with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultramarathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA ultra running coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host. Are injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Get on top of these and see the specialists at Health and High Performance. Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. So get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of. Head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram at healthhighperformance. Health and High Performance are located in Montalbert, Melbourne, but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide, but also around the world. Contact them on their website to find out more. Wild Earth Australia are the online store to help you make the most out of the outdoors with top quality gear at great prices. Peak Endurance podcast listeners can use the discount code PEAKENDURANCE in all capitals to get 10% off at checkout. Head on over to wildearth.com.au to get everything you need for your next adventure. Welcome to the podcast. Episode 98 is an interview with Kai Bretz, an amazing ultra runner who was Australian Ultra Runner of the Year in 2019. Kai is an ex-consultant, a successful corporate leader and elite athlete who has learned to master the inner game. <clears throat> Letting go of his limiting beliefs made him the fastest ever Australian at the 24-hour World Championships. He ran 259.67 kilometres. Now he uses his expertise to guide leaders and organisations on their own transformational journeys. In this episode, we discuss how changing his mindset allowed him to go from a good but average athlete to elite level racing. If you enjoy this episode, please go on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps grow the audience and helps me get high profile athletes on the show. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. If you are looking to challenge your limits, you need to have a structured, individualised training plan to help you get there. If you want to achieve your best, email me, Isabel, at Peak Endurance Coaching, to get a program started. Enjoy the interview with Kai. Hi, Kai, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hello, nice to be here. Yes, good. Now, can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself and how you got into running and ultra running? Um, well, uh, as you can hear from my accent, I'm originally not from here, so I, I came from Germany in 2011, uh, oh, okay. and at that time I was, I was a marathon runner at that time, really liked marathon running, and what happened was, uh, what happens to heaps of people is I was chasing PBs, and at some point it got less and less exciting, 
and um, I needed someone new challenge. And that's how I got into ultra running. And from there onwards, I really enjoyed it again of just getting onto the trails, uh, doing something which was absolutely new to me. So I'm now doing ultra running since 2015 um, and really started at the deep end. Uh, so the first one I signed up for was Big Red Run. So 250 oh, wow. kilometers multi-stage. Yep. Uh, in preparation of that, I did two days 56 and co-work six hours. Um, and then from there onwards, I had a um, quite a failure after Big Red Run where I tried to qualify for the 100 kilometer World Champs team. Um, I thought, yeah, now I know how to run ultras. And I had absolutely no clue. <laughs> so uh, I went out far too hard, almost DNF'd, but um, as we so aptly say, it was probably not the race I wanted, but it was the race I needed. And um, yeah. yeah, and then a few years later, I made it into the 24 hour world champs team. So I raced uh, 2019, just before the pandemic hit. And um, yeah, so that's probably, that's probably also the format I like most uh, in terms of. Oh, hang on, we've lost you. Sorry, what, you said that's the format you like most in terms of? Absolutely. So the 24-hour format, I, I really, I really enjoy. Um, mm. It's probably, yeah, around about there. Just being out for a day. Yeah. Um, yes, the sleep is not, you don't really need sleep within 24 hours once it gets longer. It's a bit, uh, it's I, a bit think, I think a lot of people might disagree with you, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, each to their yeah. own. <laughs> no, I, I, I do understand. In, in, in real life, when I'm not running, I do like my early bedtime. So, yeah. um, yes, it's just during a 24-hour run when the adrenaline is there, then um, only then uh, I think one doesn't really need sleep. Yes, yeah, that's fair enough. Now, what was your marathon PB? Um, so I've got a 244 to my name, um, nice. and that's in Berlin, um, yep. um, which, which it sounds nice, but it was never really satisfying because, I don't know, I was just chasing and chasing and had nine seconds PD here and 40 seconds yeah. there. And in the end, I somehow abandoned fast mountains, clearly knowing that I never run the race I really wanted to run and just said, okay, let's just start from scratch, do something new. Yep. Yep, that sounds fair enough. Um, I know I got I got tired of marathons. They're just too painful. <laughs> they are indeed. It's it's a very different type of training. And, it's a different um, pain. Yeah, and I that's think, right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you were actually awarded Ultra Runner of the Year in 2019 through Aura. Uh, was that for your 24-hour run? Yes, correct. So um, it somehow came out of the blue. So in 2018, I did my first 24 hours. Uh, that was in Coburg and I ran 212 kilometers, which is handy, but mm. it doesn't qualify you as a male for anything, mm. really. Um, I then did uh, in 2019 uh, Adelaide uh, 24 hours and jumped up to 240 kilometers. Uh, so how did you make that jump? Three months later and ran. Um, how did you, yeah, from, from the, the Coburg race yeah, to the Adelaide? Still, 
it was pretty much mental. So oh. uh, yes, there was a little bit of training adjustment. So I worked with Martin Fryer and we, we yep. adjusted the training, but I don't think the training itself was really the huge thing. It was unlocking something within my mind mm-hmm. of uh, letting go of all those beliefs of that I can't do it, I'm not capable, uh, this hurts, I need to somehow stay in control, all of those things which held me back and let go. And that was even more visible for another jump then three months later at the World Championships where I ran uh, 259.67 mm. kilometers. So I was almost 20 kilometers further within three months. So That's amazing. somehow a huge improvement. And it was just complete blow that race. It was, I was, I was just there enjoying what I was doing, uh, dealing with any of the um, issues which were coming up so that yes, it was hot and suddenly a lap was missing and I was, uh, I was getting upset of just thinking, well, who has stolen a lap as if anybody would steal a lap, but that happens (laughs) at 2am or 3am. And I just let go. And um, that's really where, um, where I thought this, this is something which is not running specific. So it, it helps for running, but mm. those types of jumps, we all want to do them in whatever we do at home or at work of just how do we get to the next level? And that has fascinated me over, over several years now. And um, so that's in a nutshell what I tried to capture in, in the book, which is coming out um, pretty much now this month this month in March yes I was going to say you're you're putting out a book pretty soon um called turning right and um so and and you're saying that thinking about the um mental aspect that allows you to do more than you previously considered possible is basically the 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 the, the cornerstone or the basis of the book I'm guessing because of course I haven't been mm. able to read it yet because it's not I um, but um, so can you tell us um, what, what, what the book is about and, and how it could possibly help runners as well, as well as just not just for their running, but in everyday life? Absolutely. So the basic, I think the basic message of the book is we can all do anything if we put our minds to it. Now, I know that is some of a sentence which sounds, yeah, well, anybody can say that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's we can actually experience that that happens, and I think the the, the twenty four hour race experience I had is is an example of that. Saying how can I from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen improve my my performance by twenty two percent? It clearly has nothing to do with just running training. You can train as much as you want; you will not improve by twenty two percent. Exactly. And so it's the same mindset. <clears throat> which is about how, how do we pursue our dreams and that's what the, the book about is about so it's it, it is my journey in a way so it takes um probably very appealing for for runners um but going uh, certainly beyond it of uh how did i shift from like a good marathon runner but nothing extraordinary in there i mean 244 for a marathon is good, but it doesn't qualify you for anything. I mean, no. there are heaps of people who are significantly better. Yeah. Uh, to to then running the best ever Australian uh, distance in the 24-hour World Championships. And the title, Turning Right, it's basically also the answer of what do we have to do? So my story started when accidentally 
one day I turned right out of my garden gate. Uh, I was living in Albert Park at the time. And every single morning I was running, I, I had to turn left. So completely on autopilot, in control, very measured, very German in a way. Just, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Liking my routine. Like, yeah, yep. absolutely. And, and it had gotten me very, very far hmm. up to that point. But also it got me stuck at the same time. So discipline is great. And yes, it's required. But when it's all about discipline, when it's all about I have to have control of what's the weather on competition day, is it the perfect course? Is everything going perfect? Well, with that mindset, mm. you're just bound to choke. And yes. that's what happens to me. And when you release that, suddenly, um, suddenly what I think is, is magical just can happen is um, the only expectations don't become limiting anymore. It's like anything beyond it is possible. Just go in and see what happens. If I'd gone to the World Championship saying, well, I have now a PB of 240 uh, and just set whatever goal, even at 250, it would have been arbitrary. I would never have run 259. Um, and all I did was just see what happens. And, uh, and that, that was the result. Yeah, that, and yeah. an amazing result. So, so you say you turned right when you went out of your gate this time. What happened on that day? Yeah, so um, I, I, I had just a new mentor and had asked him how, how do I somehow unlock the next uh, the next um, yeah um, yeah so in running my next uh, frontier in a way, uh, but also I was thinking about work as well. How do I how do I get out of my rut? And he had noticed that I was far too much in control. So a friend of mine um, was um, he was running for me uh, what we called a mystery run. So oh, the idea okay. was I had no clue what I was in for, which is very scary because mm. um, Corey, this friend of mine, he's a way better um, short and middle distance runner, which means keeping up with him, not knowing what he's in, what, what I'm in for. Um, my key question was, when is it fair to give up? Completely summing up my mindset. When is it fair to yeah. give up? I, mean, I think that's how I ran my life. Saying, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm there to do my best, but when is it fair to give up? And, um, and, and so he took that right turn and therefore I had to take a right turn as well. It was accidental. He, had never, he didn't know what he was doing in a way there. And metaphorically speaking, I was just doing right turns from the onwards saying, well, what is my next right turn? Yeah. And a, a week later or so, I went to Olympic Park to a, to an, um, to a track session. 10 times 400 meters, which, uh, as you can acknowledge, it's, it's not the favorite of most uh, longer distance runners of doing these short and punchy things. So I, I hated them somehow. Yeah. And then counting down seven, eight, nine, ten 10 reps done. But one of the runners had been late and she was a lap somewhere behind everybody. So she had another lap to go. So the coach said, well, Kai, run with her um, another lap that would have been completely unthinkable for me in, <laughs> with the previous mindset because oh, wow. 10 is 10 yeah. and agreement is agreement and I'm done and I, I've done what I'm in for. Yes. And without any arguing, I just said, yeah, fine. I'll just do another lap. And it's that kind of um, just, it's, I surprised myself. And I think we can all surprise ourselves, whatever is holding each one of us back. For me, it was the control, but whatever it might be for, 
for any of, of, of the listeners, it's that kind of metaphorically turning right and exploring territory we just have never gone into. Mm, yeah. I love that concept. So um, in running, how could we relate that? Could we relate that to, like you said, doing an extra rep when you least expect it or racing a different distance or uh, maybe doing something different like helping someone else in their race? How could we look at it in, in our mm. running journey? So, I love that question. Um, I think what helps me quite a lot is Quite often we have big training weeks um, and and then we might be dreading the workouts and what I very often do is just have a sense of what the week is about so say like there are two or three key sessions uh, and and they are just key sessions but the rest I'm just playing around with them a bit and and I just go out not knowing exactly what will my run be so I don't know is it a 10k run a 20k run I just sense a little bit of how am I feeling, where do I want to go? Um, and, and even the route, I just, oh, this would be a nice, nice way of just um, turning here a little bit uh, or going a bit faster. So mixing it up and, and actually it is quite fun doing that because it's not the ticking off something we have to do. It's, it's really being present of what we are doing and um, and, and then the week becomes a little bit easier to, to manage as well when, it, when there is a big, big training week. So that, that's just one idea um, of what anybody can do and just be present. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, you, uh, I, I was just thinking about a second one. Um, sorry. Uh, no, no. Um, a, second, a second idea I, I really like doing is when it becomes less about the run itself, uh, um, and really being, having said being present, I find is, is very important uh, because that helps, helps to just respond to whatever is happening, for example, in a race. And um, I, like, I like listening to birds. So quite often I run in the morning and that's when the chatter is. But typically we hear the birds and then I'm in my own head. And then it's all about the thoughts which spin in my head and deliberately getting out of my own head and say, okay, for the next kilometer, and that's quite challenging, just listen to the birds. Just see what they're saying. And, um, and, and then I'm going back to my head. Okay, um, listen to the birds. So it's, it's this kind of reminding myself what I'm there to do. Yeah. And those sessions, I feel they're quite valuable and simple to do. Yeah, yeah. So how do we get over the fear of um, getting out of our routine? Because... As we all know, change is, can be sometimes scary and bring up some horrible feelings. And, yeah. and so how do, we, how do we turn right when, when instinct says turn left? Because that's what we've always mm, done. That's, uh, I mean, obviously that's, that, that is the key one. Um, in my journey, it has helped that I started turning right in, uh, in, in a running sense. Mm. So running was a hobby. Um, now it's almost a bit more like than that right now, but it used to be a hobby and, um, and in a way it was relatively safe. Having said that, I still, I still was very scared going onto my first mystery run with that question of when is it fair to give up? So um, while safe, because it's only a hobby, it's still, um, it's quite easy to give it more meaning than it, it should get. Um, so that's so 
that, that's what I would recommend is start small. Start with mm. something where it's uncomfortable, but it's not like super scary. And then from there onwards, we actually, it is like a muscle. We, we, tra- we train it and we, we gain confidence because I can't really remember a single right turn I've done where in the end I would have said, yeah, that was like, that was a really bad decision. It might not have worked. So yeah. for example, the exam, uh, for example, when I, I tried to, to just stretch myself and, uh, and make the 100 kilometer world champs team, that would have been unthinkable before. And I tried it. Um, now, I made lots of other somehow mistakes along the way, but that journey was so important to me to just learn along the way. And it was about the growth, not the result in the end. And I think without having tried that, I would never have made the 24-hour world chance team. So while things can somehow seem like they are a failure from a result perspective, eventually they help us grow anyway. So uh, it's, yeah. So I started with running and then only later uh, translated it into work and, and seeing what, what does that mean at work. And, and, and as you alluded to there, I think we we probably learn the most from our supposed failures uh, than we do from our successes. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, it's, that, that was, I mean, it was a, a, a painful um, experience of trying to run. And I was in fitness, so I needed, I wanted to run at that time seven hours, 25-ish, roughly mm-hmm. for the, um, so roughly four thirties per kilometer for the hundred, and I think, I, and I think fitness-wise, I was I was not far off. So the yeah. fitness was there, but the pressure at that stage I couldn't handle the pressure, yeah. and I um, I pretty much I, I died really early in the race. I think kilometer thirty-two I was oh, already no. in some sort of trouble. So it's a long way, and it's, it was very early on. It was clear this is not going to be my day. Yeah, that's a long and way to suffer. Also, exactly. And um, and in the end, I think I was almost an hour slower than mm. I felt I could have gone. And yeah, but there was heaps to learn during uh, during that race. The, mo- the thing I'm, I'm most proud of is I did not give up. I mean, yeah. I gave up uh, the goal, but I didn't give up the race. That's um, awesome. It was a touch and go, though. It was I was almost out. So, so um, yeah. And, and I think that's um, a, a really great learning experience to not give up and know that, you know, it, it, things go on and and you don't have to give up. You may miss your goal, but you can still finish it off. Mm. I, I agree, and um, it's always. I mean, it's it's it shouldn't be up to us to judge anybody else who gives no. up, but I can highly encourage anybody who is close to giving up and sooner or later running ultra races, we probably could push ourselves. We get to that point where we say, well, giving up would be nice now or, or even get very close to actually doing it. I think I get that to that point in every ultra. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, it's, I'm sure you will learn something in every ultra yeah. where you where you somehow push through and pushing through. I don't necessarily mean through toughness. So I found it's a bit easier to push through by just being gentle to myself. And that's mm. probably another right turn I've taken over time, which is um, 
it's that kind of self-compassion gets me way further than the kind of standard approach, which is, okay, um, just push through, which, um, which is, it's easier to understand and everybody assumes, oh, you run ultra marathons, so you must be really tough. Well, over time, I actually think I'm getting more and more gentle there. Um, and it's actually a lot of my toughness, which holds me back there. That's, that's what I've found. I really like that concept, um, having self-compassion with yourself there. So when you say in an ultra, when you when you do that with by being gentle on yourself rather than tough, can you tell us like the two different ways that you would have normally tried to, that the, the how you mm. would try when you're being tough and with the self-compassion? Yeah. So a great example would be the, the recent, um, so a month ago, I ran the Brimbank last one standing. So yeah. um, that, that format of you run a lap um, every hour and uh, 6.7 kilometers and then have, have the remainder of the time somewhere off until the next full hour starts. So yeah. it's a start, start and stop concept. And we started 7 p.m. on a Friday, which means we went straight into the first night, no sleep. Um, and the race was still on going to the second night, obviously. Uh, so we were in for 30 hours. And at no point in time do you know for how long you have to keep mm. going if you want to somehow be one of the last, if not uh, the winner. And so for, for a few laps, I was somewhere pushing myself and saying, okay, one more lap and one more lap. It's, it's that kind of, um, we somehow being hard on myself, but obviously yeah. that's that's somehow than almost the natural instinct of how else would you do it? Yeah. And I got to the alternative. Um, I think at like two a.m. or so when I was I was just over it, and um, it's it's very exhausting to be so tough on yourself and say, well, push yourself. Mm. And some of that self compassion came and saying, okay, it's um, who knows how long this race will be on for, but right now I'm actually pretty okay. And just go for a few hours, have some fun. I had some, uh, I ran with some of the other runners, um, had some conversations, gained some energy through that. And there was, there was always that kind of, yeah, who knows whether I will be there at the very end, but um, keep on going um, and, um, and things will be fine. It's that kind of, probably how you would deal with little kids. Yeah. That's how I treated myself, as if yeah. I was the little kid. <laughs> and it didn't resonate, I can tell you, it yeah. really resonates. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's natural, really. I mean, to, to respond to kindness rather than, than, you know, being hard on someone, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? But yet we think, when we talk to ourselves, we think differently, you know, it's different. We would never talk to someone else in that mm -hmm. way to encourage them. So, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So um, you say you've also turned right in your um, like your professional life. What can I ask? What you've done? What big changes mm. you've made? So um, I was when I came to Australia. Um, I so before and I was a, a, a consultant. So I was working all over the world uh, as a, in a consultant capacity. Came over and worked um, in senior management uh, at, at several retailers, first in Melbourne and Sydney. And uh, last year, I knew it was time to move on. So to really take the scarier right turn and uh, go out from, a, a leave a, a secure, well-paid job, uh, knew exactly what I had to do. So somehow 
it was comfort zone. Doesn't mean it was easy, but it was certainly comfort zone. Left that and set up my own business um, with the name Turning Right. So I somehow made that uh, my thing. And it's now all about, um, it's about taking, taking businesses and team on teams on transformational journeys. So there is a bit of consultancy behind it, but probably more than that, um, an executive coaching uh, angle. Um, so that's, that's a skill I, um, I've worked on and, uh, and done some courses and the accreditations and all the work which, which is required to actually become a credible executive coach. And, um, and, and also do a little bit of um, inspirational speaking. So it's somewhat a package of saying, how do I facilitate turning right journeys for, um, yeah, for, for others and help them, um, help them see what they are capable of uh, with a bit of guidance there? Because I think when I started my journey, I'd wish there's a clear part of how, how do you yeah. do this? And yeah. um, I didn't know. So yeah. now I just want to offer that. Yeah. Well, that's great. And it's, it's clearly worked for you. And um, in spite of COVID and all that, that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, so do you have um, a big run planned at all coming up? Um, yes. So there are two things coming up. Uh, short term, which means um, this Saturday, there is... Um, the IAU Global Solidarity six-hour run, so that's, oh, uh, that's it's right. an event, which yeah, which which is virtual basically, and it yeah. was it was set up last year in right. uh, when most of the world was in lockdown. Just a six-hour event. Uh, there are a few runners from Australia and then obviously from from the other countries who, over the course of the weekend. Um, just run their own six-hour run, however they want to celebrate it. So I will. Um, I've somehow made it a very open invite to uh, to any friends, any anybody who knows me and, and wants to join me. So I will be running around Albert Park for six hours, and um, and make it more about the inclusiveness than getting somehow the biggest distance. So yeah. um, um, that's that's why I thought it's it's just a nice opportunity of not being so serious all the time, and. Then talking about the serious side, but also I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, in June, I've signed up for um, Irrational South 200 Miler in South Australia. Oh, awesome. So, um, so that's uh, point to point, 320 kilometers from Murray Bridge to Eden. No, sorry, to Clare. Um, and um, so it's trail and um, yeah, a longer journey. Uh, I've done one 200 miler um, in 2019. So the uh, the sister event in WA, the um, Delirious West, and I absolutely loved it. It's yeah. um, it's a challenging one, obviously, given you'll be out there for more than 24 hours, oh, probably yeah. more than 48 hours. So last time it was 68 hours, and oh, gosh. it's uh, but um, I find it very rewarding. So um, yeah. so how do you? I know you said, oh, for 24 hours, you don't really need to sleep. But when you're out there for over 60 hours, how, how do you deal with the sleep deprivation? Um, I had no clue going into that race of how to do it because 24 was the longest yeah. I'd ever done. And obviously going to sleep during a training run, there's nothing you can really train. So yeah. 
I just had to see what would happen. And um, so I tried to sleep after 24 hours roughly or just before. And I thought before it gets light again, uh, mm -hmm. after the first night, I'll just sleep. It's, it's somewhat a smart thing. While it was the smart thing to do, I just wasn't capable of sleeping and then became really sleep deprived and it got harder and harder falling asleep. So 40 hours in, in the second night, I still hadn't slept yeah. and, um, and couldn't sleep either, which was really frustrating. And I almost, I was at my wit's end. I just didn't know what to do. And then my, um, one of my support crew had the brilliant idea of saying, Kai, this is just not working. At the next aid station, um, we'll lock you into the car because we had a support vehicle. We'll just lock you in the stationary car for an hour. And whether you sleep or don't sleep, that's your problem. But at <laughs> least an hour, you're you're stationary. Mm. And that 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 was just that was the solution because mentally having having written off the hour gave yes. me just the calmness to be able to sleep. So yeah. I fell asleep. Um, probably slept for 45 minutes and that was really all I needed at that stage and from there onwards um, it was pretty easy here and there at aid stations even in a chair to fall asleep for 10 minutes um, uh -huh. and it's very very re that's that's really all I needed it's, yeah, yeah I mean um, 10 minutes I, I agree yeah. yeah yeah but that's amazing that having that longer that sleep actually enabled you to be able to sleep again that's really interesting Yes, absolutely. And and it was so worth it. So that hour of sleep, I, I quickly caught that up. So yes. I was running so much better afterwards. And the entire outlook shifted because I was uh, I was having fun again. I was really enjoying it. And um, yeah, it's it's just that sleep deprived state is just so nasty. And I know some other runners do it differently. Um, they, they are able to getting through the entire event without any sleep. I don't know how they do it, mm. but um, I was very happy with my um, little sleep here and there. It worked quite nicely. Yeah, no, no, that sounds like a, a good strategy, to be honest. And um, so, you know, you say you like the, the track races uh, and yet you're also doing trail. How do you combine sort of the training for the two? And, and yeah, how do you manage that? Yeah. I've noticed, so um, I do trail training actually for whatever I'm doing. Um, yeah. So yes, there's specific training when, when, so for the world championships, which was on a track or, or somewhere on a, on a paved, um, on pavement as well. I do, I do have to do quite a lot of just um, pounding on normal roads. Yes. So yes, I, I, I tend towards that, but that doesn't mean that I would stop running on trail. Because I find trail gives me um, just a lot of nice strength, and that kind of strength work really works uh, for me. So, in terms of because I don't do a lot of almost almost no gym work, um, I get that through hills, um, hill running. So hills, trail trails, and quite unique almost. Uh, I do a lot of sand running. So oh, okay. uh, living here in Pran. Before and I was living in, in Albert Park and just go to the beach and run up and down on the soft sand. And that I find gives me a lot of strength, um, um, which, which helps me at any type of event. Um, so 
I don't do a lot of speed work, uh, probably some tempo work um, can't be avoided and, and I like that, but I don't do a lot of speed work and I find through, through those trail hills and sand, um, I pretty much get, get, get my fair share of strength from that. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Now, I'm, I'm also intrigued to know what did end up happening on the mystery run? Ah, yes. So the mystery, the very first mystery run. Um, oh, so it's, it's almost so like a thing now, is it? Um, well, it was a thing for a while until, um, until we then said, okay, now, now there's no real point. I, I wasn't anymore in that mindset of yeah. when do I have to give up. And when that mindset went away, a mystery run is fun, but it didn't really serve the purpose anymore yeah. of really, really challenging so um, that's the fast forwarding towards the end of the mystery runs. But in the very first mystery run, so uh, Corey, my friend, when he took me to the right, um, he, he was really playing with, um, uh, playing with me there. Of, he was having fun of just having the power and was <laughs> speeding up for a kilometer and until I was huffing and puffing. And it was, it was less the speed, which was an issue. It was more the, the kind of not knowing for how long I had to go. So um, we were running marathon speed and obviously marathon speed, one can run for a marathon. Yeah. But I was struggling after a kilometer of marathon speed because I didn't know for how much longer it would mm -hmm. be and if it would go even faster than that. So, um, so he was doing that and took me through, through St Kilda through some really weird random places, right, left, this residential street, the other one. So just really weird, hopping onto one of the ovals there and doing two laps super fast. So really sprint by pace. Um, and that almost broke me. And uh, <laughs> um, I, I was very close to giving up there. Um, and then probably the nastiest thing he did was after 10 kilometers, he went back to my house, uh, told me that, um, he wouldn't. He would be quite nice to me be, uh, that day because he had signed up for a triathlon the following day, which I didn't know. So that explained why he hadn't really gone hard. But then waved at my house and kept going towards Port Melbourne. So I, oh, I wow. wasn't really done. So it, it's the entire way. I did not know what I was in for. Um, but surprisingly, at the very end, uh, I think we did like. 15, 16 kilometers. So nothing particularly challenging in terms of um, speed and, yeah. and distance, none of it really, but it was, it was that kind of uncertainty which was so challenging. And once we finished, I felt really good. It was that kind of, oh, this wasn't that bad. And yeah. Um, and, um, uh, yeah. I really I, I like that it. idea, and I, I like the fact that because because you don't know, you've got that that feeling inside of you of yeah of that uncertainty and and the fear of of not being able to make it, and and that you use that to overcome those feelings. I think you know the listeners could maybe um, give that one a crack. I think that'd be a great workout. Absolutely. I mean, it's surprising how nasty uncertainty is, mm. and most of our world is uncertain. But going back to that last one standing event. Um, pretty similar as um, um, at the towards the end, you just got the entire way. You never know how long the event will last for. That's that's some other challenging part of the event because 
you have to keep running until some of the others drop out or you drop out yourself. How, did, how far did you go with, the, with that one? So uh, I hung in until the very end. So you so, won it? Um, and it took me, I did, and it took me 36 hours. Yeah, that's so, right, because I'm um, sure I remembered that that's what it was. But, yeah, it was a while ago now, so, yeah. But, but the only reasons why I was contemplating at times to somehow pull out was not physically. It was really this kind of, I don't want to be here anymore. So there, it was that mental side of, I'm done now. Whereas the legs were okay. So I was not even close to, um, to the full hour of using the full hour to, to, to complete the distance. So why do you think you were getting that, that voice in your head saying that? Um, it was the, if anybody had told me, Kai, you have to run for another 10 hours and then you're done, uh, or then you have won, it would have been easy. It, yeah. Actually, it would have been easy. It's that kind of, I think it's, how I and most of us probably deal with uncertainty of just if things become uncertain, then um, then it gets somehow it just gets difficult yeah. um, because because it requires us to stay in the moment and say all I can do right now is run this one lap. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. I'm running right now, and typically that is not that difficult. It's saying, mm. can you run right now? Yes, I can run right now. Well. How long, much longer can you run? I don't know, but you don't need to know. Yeah. Because that's to solve whenever you get there. So, yeah. uh, and that kind of attitude, it does help with 24-hour running. It does help with business. It does help probably with most big challenges we're facing is, can you do your best right now? And the answer probably will be, yes, I can. Yeah. Um, but we go into our heads, or I definitely do, and spin an entire story of, yeah, well, but in an hour I might be tired and then I have to give up. So why should I wait for an hour? I can give up now. And <laughs> all that story unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure many ultra runners know, know that feeling. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, so in regards to your book and, uh, I think you also, you've got it in, in sections. Um, do you want to just talk to the listeners a bit about, about the sections and why you've got those sections? Mm, yes. Um, so it's probably the, the book is, um, the book is probably interweaving three different streams. So there's the running part, which is, uh, which starts with the mystery runner and that kind of uh, dissatisfaction with, uh, chasing PBs and marathons, and then uh, and then leads to a, how do I step up to become um, well the ultra runner I am today? Um, that that's some of the running part to actually unlock that. I did so personally and in the book. Um, I had to go quite a lot into my own past. So looking at um, why am I who I am right now? And um, so there there are quite some some childhood stories in there and um and um yeah I, I also find that partially quite difficult to write because it's it hasn't all been easy and um some I mean I I grew up um in a household where I'm sure my, my parents wanted to share their love as best as they could but um my father often didn't show that and um 
instead of feeling loved, I, I found um, uh, I was somehow on the other end of his aggression and, and dealing with that, which somewhat I think explains my urge for control of mm -hmm. saying, okay, if, if I'm in control, then I'm safe. And while those situations, they're far in the past, it's still how I respond to, to some of our challenges today and, and why, why do I turn lift all the time? I mean, it, it is an urge for control and it is an urge to some ways stay safe um, where um, I somehow have the impression that otherwise, it, yeah, otherwise I can't deal with whatever is, uh, whatever is happening. So there's a lot of childhood stories. Um, and, uh, and then the third part is, uh, which, which comes uh, particularly a bit later in the book is always the question, if you're not a runner and, um, and obviously for me as well, how do I bring this into the business world? How do I apply this? Um, so I found the turning right in through running but it certainly has way more power than just um, than just running better or, um, or or doing something I thought could not be done in running, and and therefore that question of um, if I want to do anything, I put my mind um, to it. How do I do that at work? And um, and then and there I share some some challenges I faced at work and and some are trying to work through them, applying the same. Uh, the same logic so uh, that's somehow without giving too much away of but what you can expect from the book. Mm. Now you've also got um, little uh, also questions and that's a thing to guide people to help them don't you? Yes absolutely so um, I've got uh, I think they're like 16 chapters or so so I try to make it manageable um, just knowing myself I love reading but also like getting to an end of a chapter or to a natural point where yes. I can put the book away because yep. there's the reality of having to go to sleep or or <laughs> just uh, it's time to do something else. So um, so uh, at each one of those chapters, um, I have three to five questions for the reader and they tend to be quite deep questions of just, um, you've read something about me, but the book is not really about me. So. I'm not there to, to celebrate my running journey or, or somehow dwell on my challenges. It's just the thought starter of saying, well, I'm sure every one of us is facing something similar in, uh, somewhere in their lives. Mm. And then giving them the opportunity with a few questions to just say, well, just reflect on this and see what does this mean to you? Because um, while it might be entertaining and I hope it's an entertaining book, but in the end, I really hope that the reader um, takes something away for them. And that's what those questions are designed to, um, to help them with. Mm. Well, um, from what I, I read of it, it it's, it's a, a, an easy read as in it's, it's not taxing on the brain, but um, it's, I found it really interesting. And, um, and I would uh, personally, I would love to read the rest of it. So I'll probably be making sure that happens. Um, and um, so I think it'd be a, a great book, for, yeah, for ultra runners, but also I think it will help runners even with their life in general. And um, and especially after the year that we've had with 2020, I think maybe it's time to to take stock of life and, and maybe think about turning right instead of always doing the same things. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a nice point. Um, uh, 
uh, several people have somehow said, yeah, um, or have asked me whether I thought that it was just the perfect timing for the book mm. right now. And from it, it might be. So um, it's that kind of, we are all faced with a huge challenge, um, well, over 2020, which summer hasn't still, hasn't yet ended. Not and, really. <laughs> um, and, yeah. And while we all asked ourselves, well, what do we need to do? There's a bit more the question, I think, in the foreground of who do I need to become mm. or, or who do I want to become? And uh, that's probably the question which is at the center of this book of saying, well, we can all do stuff and we all have to do stuff. And yes, with ultra running, there is training involved. And uh, I wouldn't want to belittle that at all. But where's the meaning? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and what do we need to unlock within ourselves to really move to another level uh, if that's what we want to do? And for me, that level probably came through trusting myself more um, and, and saying, I'm just overplaying small. I don't want to play small anymore. But in order to play big, I need to get more comfortable with, um, yeah, with failing because otherwise it's just too risky. So it somehow goes hand in hand. Mm, no, that makes sense. I think my picture's just frozen, but uh, I'm not really sitting there with that face on. Um, <laughs> that's that's really good. Thank you so much. Can you can hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, Absolutely. awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. That's really interesting. And, and I I urge the, the listeners to go out and, and uh, buy the book. Where where can they find the book? You were saying that you're also doing the um the the audio book. Yes. So um end of this month, uh, by then latest, uh, the book will be available uh, online booksellers such as um, Amazon Booktopia. Um, in, in Australia, but also uh, plus, plus also internationally. So if anybody listens from anywhere else, I've checked some Amazon uh, um, sites uh, internationally, even Japan has it, for example. Oh, awesome. Um, and then in bookstores, um, uh, you very likely find it in Australian bookstores as well. I can't tell you which bookstores has it, um, which, which don't have it. But I, for example, know that Dimmix has ordered uh, heaps of copies, so they will have it and, and some others. So um, just just go out and, um, and check it. So it's Turning Right Inspire the Magic. Um, that's the book. And the audiobook. I finished recording it last week. That mm-hmm. will, um, so it's in editing right now. That should come out in a month. So during during uh, the course of April at some point, it will be available through the typical audiobook sources uh, like Audible and the likes. And um, and that one I have recorded, so um, which was um, quite a journey and I'm, I'm really grateful for yeah, just reading my own book. Um, so yes, it is with my accent, but it should give it a bit more credibility as well. Um, I, I was just going to say, I think you um, have very little accent considering you've only been here for, what, 10 years? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. No, yeah. my my mum, who was here for, you know, a long time, 40 years, had a much stronger accent. So, Yeah. So so I, I recorded the audio book, um, which, by the way, was it reminded me of running an ultramarathon. Uh, yeah. It was very similar. 
it was very exciting uh, when I left the start line and then it got uh, it got a bit more challenging when I couldn't see the end and then um, <laughs> and then towards the end it's very rewarding of uh, saying yeah I've done it yeah so, thanks just like an ultra <laughs> exactly <It does. laughs> all right well and if people want to follow you how do how do they do that um so um typical um social media channels that they find me and uh on my website there would be any of the links of if you can't find my account which typically is turning right and Kai Brits um, um on my website um turningright.com you find all the links you can send me emails um, you can see what else I'm doing so that's probably the easiest place to go and uh and take it from there and I'm I'm really curious about feedback um, uh, on the book and um, and what experiences you guys have with turning right uh, um, because I'm I'm pretty passionate about it if if that hasn't come across yet. No, no, and and so you should be. I'm, I I think it's a, it's an excellent concept for a book, and I, I think it'll be very helpful. All righty, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, and we really appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks. Bye. So what did you think? I find him so motivating. I feel that when I left teaching to take on this business full time, it really was a turning right moment for me. I've had quite a few. Um, moving alone to Canada was one of them too. But I don't think I've fully embraced the mentality of it all in such a positive way as Kai. I just love his outlook on these difficult and life-changing decisions. When have you turned right in your life? Please let me know in the comments. So I think I really want to finish his book to find out more. I'm sure you will find it really informative and interesting too. Keep on running, training and racing.